And in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Guide to the Grind podcast where we cover money, mindset, and momentum. Joining me today as always is, uh, oh, actually, I guess I should, I'm still not used to this new uh, intro yet, Jonathan. I'm, I'm struggling with it. My name is Jeff Eady and joining me today as always is one of Canada's top mortgage brokers, one of my best friends, a guy I'm always glad to see, the chocolate to my s'more, Mr. Jonathan Tilger. Jonathan, how are you today? I, as always, when I'm coming on here speaking with you, Jeff, just phenomenal and very excited for the guests we have on as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And that was a, a little homage to the Canada Day slash July 4th weekend that we just uh, went through. So I have uh, with us today is the co-owner of Kuoba Capital. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And owner of Exit Realty and a real estate investor. He specializes in multifamily real estate and is a passionate about helping others create wealth through that channel. Please welcome Sun- Sunil Chalar. Sunil, how are you today? Jeff, I am doing well. Thank you. Uh, great intro- introduction, by the way. <laughs> Glad you guys are having me on today. Uh, fantastic, Sunil. Thank you for joining us. Um, so I, I, I guess we'll get started. The thing I found most interesting in the bio that I, uh, I read about you was that you actually didn't start in real estate. You started at a stock brokerage. Is that correct? That is correct. I uh, started from the ground up, worked my way up to the assistant vice president of the company uh, in New Jersey. And um, yeah, that's where I got started. Uh, from there, uh, believe it or not, I was in my mid-20s. I had uh, about maybe 87 people working for me at that time. Um, I met Anthony Robbins right around Ooh. that time. Walked on fire, bare feet, and uh, two weeks later, I gave my resignation. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? I was out making six figures. Uh, pretty nice job. Uh, yeah. I walk away. Well, co- coincidentally, I'll just tie it back because uh, right when I got in the mortgage business, went to a Tony Robbins event as well. So, so yeah, I, I know just the momentum and the energy it can give you, just really the focus more than anything else. Correct. Like you said, you started off with a mind shift. Uh, it basically flipped the switch and uh, it changed everything in my life. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that switch? Because I, I, so I'm a huge Tony fan. I'm big into personal development and then seeing the results in my life. Um, but a lot of times people, I, I guess you call them the golden handcuffs, where people get, uh, they get the, you know, the high paying job and they have all the benefits that that comes with. But then they realize one day that their life is not really their own. Did that, is that kind of what happened? Or can you explain that, that shift? Sure. Um, coming here to the U.S., uh, I came obviously as an immigrant, no green card, no anything. So I've worked in factories. I've actually worked on the street, in restaurants. I've, I've done it all. Um, we grew up with a mindset of, you know what, you obviously, you live within your means, and that's a good habit to have. But we, we grew up in a sense where, you know what, unless or until you have the money, you could buy whatever you need to buy, again, within your means. The shift that came from that uh, Anthony Robbins uh, event were rather than you know when i have the money then i'll do blank rather than what do i need to do now to have the money to get what i need to get so it's basically the, just the, the way you think that's and again it's the mind shift I'm, I'm very driven so by no means do i need anyone to hold my hands and uh i guess that was a catalyst that just set me off um and made me what i am today 
So, okay. There was a lot to unpack from this. This is, this, yeah, this, see, this is the meat of it. I, I love that you're in real estate and I will get there, but I really love understanding. So a immigrant, uh, that's huge to come to a different country, um, to be able to make something of yourself, but not only that to excel and not just settle for the working in a factory. Cause we see it all the time. That's a, 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 a story that's been played out a lot up near where near where we live brampton has all of the amazon uh um warehouses and stuff like that and there's all you see is people accepting jobs because they've come here with even if they do have qualifications they don't they don't carry over here and they get trapped in crappy jobs because of that um what got you to go from working on the streets to to working in a, in a brokerage that's like stockbrokers well, a huge jump <laughs> correct i obviously like i said i'm self-driven i always wanted more so coming here as an immigrant with no green card, I've seen all my friends be able to do certain things and without having that uh, identification, if you will, it limited me from doing a lot of things. So I graduated high school in two years here. I uh, went on to college and a uh, degree in finance and economics. And I just loved the stock brokerage uh, arena. Um, you know, I love trade and securities. I love options. Uh, so that was my high. Before I even made it to the office, I'm trading. I'm <laughs> making money or you're losing money. Either one. I made money and I lost some too. But uh, that was my high and just wanted more, just hungry for more. And at that age, uh, the funny thing is in my, like I said, early 20s, I, I was hired to fire. And the people that I got rid of in the company, believe it or not, were people my age. And I saw the older folks, you know, my parents' age or people who have retired uh, a month later, grim, grim story here, a month later or a year later, they, they passed. I even had a guy committed suicide after he retired. And now me in my 20s, I got a long way to go until retirement kicks in, right? Do I want this as my life? <laughs> so I asked myself that question after these series of events took place at my job. And I said, no. And, you know, coincidentally, like I said, Tony Robbins were in town and I went to his event and I walked away, walked away from everything and I never turned back. So what happened then? Uh, got into real estate. Uh, like like the next day or was there a, a time period between where you're going, oh, my God, what did I do? <laughs> no, no, no. What, what had happened when I when I was studying for my stockbroker's license at the same time. God alone knows why I decided to take my real estate license. I failed my real estate license, but I passed my stockbroker's license because that's where really my emphasis would. That's what I wanted. But one thing about me, I've never given up or I've never lost in my life. And it sort of haunted me. Even if I were to pass my real estate license and do nothing with it, I'll be okay with that. So I went back and I took the real estate test and I passed it. Uh, and I figured, you know what? Let me give this a try. The first year, the first year, I made $5,000 in one oh. year. I, gotta, I need to wake up here. I need to do something here because I've been playing, obviously. And, uh, <laughs> you know, woke up a year later uh, with my, and uh, I just killed it. I started one of the groups that I, or company, I should say, that I got involved with um, were a small company, a no-name brand. But those guys basically bought, rehabbed, and flipped. Uh, they really weren't your typical realtors. They were more investors. 
And God alone knows how I got connected with these guys, but I did. And they had such a strong work ethic. Uh, you could make a million dollars today and you live as though you have no money. Mm-hmm. So you, you work, you just hunger for money. And you, obviously you do things right. <laughs> There's no screwing people over or anything like that. You do, you do the right thing. Uh, so I got involved with these guys and uh, just learned the business. I did a lot of foreclosures, bankruptcies. Uh, every couple of weeks, I'm in different courthouses and different counties representing clients of mine who were losing properties. So I'm always in front of a judge every week, <laughs> uh, which, was, which was good. So it was a great learning experience. Number one, you help people. And number two, you make money. And there were a lot of money to be made. Um, so I just, you know, it created a niche for me where today I still buy rehab and flip. It's been my passion for 21 years now, uh, that I still do that and, um, got into the multifamily space and, um, just loving life uh, and loving what I'm doing. And my God, today is Tuesday, the day after 4th of July. I'm still not working. I'm here at my home. <laughs> in the mountains and just enjoying life. Oh, I can hear the birds chirping in the background. I love it. <laughs> and I, I want to take a step back there to, again to what you were saying because you went from your first year in real estate, you made five thousand mm-hmm. dollars to the second year you killed it. I know Jeff, you were probably thinking along the same lines here because yeah. what what are the things you did to really get your name out there to transform it to 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 take yourself from basically $5,000 making money that quite frankly, you cannot live on to, as you said, killing it and just not so much spending everything you're making, but, but just be able to have the life that you want. Um, again, meeting with these guys and learning that segment of the business, that segment of real estate, I, I got out there, initially started listing properties. Uh, so just learning what real mm-hmm. estate or real estate, agents do uh started that and then i started buying properties as well i started rehabbing and flipping and that's where you see the profit that's where you made the money and um you know the first year i probably made maybe quarter million dollars uh after making five thousand dollars and um one thing i tell everyone is if you're not making at least quarter million dollars in real estate at least you won't know what money is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it changes your life. It changes the way you do things and the perspective you take on life. Now, one of the things is with my office, I drive people. I make people uncomfortable. If you were to walk into my office today looking to become a realtor, the, one of the first things I'll tell you is I'm going to make you uncomfortable in a good way. I'm going to push you outside your comfort zone because I'm always pushing me out of my comfort zone and I'll push people out the door, which is totally fine by me because that just means you didn't belong here in the first place. If you're not willing to constantly be uncomfortable because <laughs> that's where I live. And, you know, there's, there's that fine line where success and failure meet and, you know, where's that drive? How much are you willing to sacrifice and push yourself? And in 21 years, I've, I think I've, failed forward enough where at this stage in my life, I need to fail faster, failing forward. Uh, I'm turning 50 this year. And I told my wife already, 
this year is my midlife crisis. I'm taking, I'm, I'm working on getting my pilot's license. Oh, very good. I want to buy a plane <laughs> this year. So she knows my midlife crisis is coming in a couple of months. <laughs> that, that is awesome. <laughs> completely awesome. So I, I, I like, I really like what you said there about being uncomfortable because be it, I mean, real estate at the end of the day, you're self-employed, you're working for a brokerage, but you are in well, if you're with the with you're with a good group, same as mortgages, there is support there. But at the end of the day, you still have to do the work. And as you say, you've got to be comfortable with making yourself uncomfortable. Because if you're not making yourself uncomfortable, you're not pushing your limits. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, then you're not growing. And ultimately, you're not basically putting yourself in a position to get the business that you deserve. And especially, you know, at the end of the day, we all need money. Uh, if we don't do something today, like, like I said, I'm turning 50. When I turn 40, obviously every year we cut cakes and do everything, right? I'm saying to myself, my God, when the heck did I turn 40? 45 came and now 50 is coming. Where is, when did this happen? You know, in my mind, I'm still like, I'm 25 years old. You blink twice and obviously we all get older. That's, that's something no one could control, but we want we want to enjoy life at a young age. Uh, one of the things that, that I'm seeing with the multifamily space, and just before I continue on the multifamily space, just in pushing people as well, in my office, you know, it's nice making a commission. It's nice making that living. But at the end of the day, is that something that you really want for yourself? Do you want to make, if you can make $100,000, great. If you can make a million dollars, wouldn't that be even better? So, one of you know i push my guys whoever has money and whoever would like to invest let's invest i've made guys in my office i've made them serious money by investing versus a commission so i rather teach the person to fish rather than feed them the fish um because at some point you know I, I want you to do it without me you know like we we have kids at some point they all fly the coop uh which is totally fine and you know, you pay it forward. Someone when I was younger helped me. And I always liked the fact if I could help you, I'll help you. I'll show you what to do. And I do that with every single person. I show them what I'm doing and I challenge everyone, beat me at my game. And I'm yet to have someone beat me at my game. Uh, <laughs> the information is there. Take advantage of it. And thank God, you know, 20 years ago, I took advantage of it because I'm reaping the benefits through time, uh, you know, I've done very well for myself and I am reaping that benefits. So here I am. You know, it's, it's interesting. I had a moment yesterday. I took the day off. Um, just the, I wanted an extra day and I had the ability to do it. And I was out on the, on a boat with my cousin and his two boys and we were fishing and the, the sun was beautiful and the water was turquoise and we didn't catch a damn fish or even get a bite all day. And I just thought, you know, really the secret to this whole deal is to get more days like this. Like that. I'm like that. That's what's going to make me happy is more days like this. It's not about the amount of money. Sure. It's going to make it, you know, we can do it in a bigger boat and we can have more fun and all that stuff. But it, it's just like a day where you don't feel the stresses of anything other than just being here in the moment. Um, as you, you know, sit on the porch in the mountains. Uh <laughs> in the backyard. Uh <laughs> oh, okay. 
an older jacuzzi and I'm just yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. So let's talk about um all right. So I'll start this. I'm going to transition into the multifamily thing because I'm sure this is sort of the answer to where you're going. But can you talk about how you make yourself uncomfortable regularly? Because this is something that I, I truly live by. I love being uncomfortable. And again, I tell people to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, get into the multifamily space. The, the transition was my, my very first deal. Uh, we lost it we weren't able to raise the funds to close. So it killed me. So one of the things that, that I've done successfully in 21 years were having the ability to have the funds up front and close. In the multifamily space, it's different. You get on the contract and then you raise the funds, everything obviously being SEC compliant. Uh, we, we were able to raise funds, but also the waters got murky with some of the things that the seller did that uh, we were able to close on one property and uh, just murky, murky waters uh, at the end of the day caused by the seller. Um, either way, we, what I'm doing now is basically raising funds. I'm raising funds to close on every single transaction and I'm going through uh, the real estate company that I own right now, helping the company as a whole teaching them the multifamily space and raising funds also that way. Um, you know, if I were to buy one house a month, which I'm currently doing, I'm buying 12 houses a year. If I buy one 200 unit, that's one transaction. How much did I really scale my business? Tremendously. So there's the ability to make money and lots of money in a shorter period of time we all trade time for dollars, right? But at the end of the day, where, you know, how much effort and time do you want to put in? You know, do you want to work your whole life doing it? Or if there was a way to work a shorter time frame and make a lot more money, isn't that a better way? Mm -hmm. Isn't that a smarter way to do it and live life and have generational wealth? That's why we do what we do. Well, I think it's... Um the guy who started Keller Williams put out a book and he, he said, that's truly the, the realtor's path is yeah, sure. It's great to be uh, commission driven in the beginning, but if you're going to get anywhere in the business, you have to think about being an investor and owning the properties that you're, you're buying and selling because that's the only way to truly create um, residual income in it and get, get your life out of it. Cause I mean, you know, I had a, a really good friend of mine, uh, one of my best friends in the world, pass away from a heart attack. He just got his real estate license a couple of years before. And I'd never seen him like that um, before he became a realtor, chasing commissions and always on the phone and always at uh, on call, basically, for all of his clients and, and other realtors that he worked with. And I was like, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. You, you can't you can't have a life like that long-term. You have to be able to start to build something that pays you. Um, so now that you're raising the funds, are you actually uh, registered as a fund? Like a 506D, is it? Um, what, what we're doing, we actually had, with uh, partners of mine, we actually have created a, a fund, which is in place right now. Uh, mm -hmm. We are working on a separate fund as well. Because um, we... We have the capacity right now where we could buy uh, some of the properties or the price which we are comfortable with is around $20, $25 million 
in that price range. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we are right now. We we had just put in offers on two properties, one of which, believe it or not, was a $80 million property, um, which we were outbidded. So we are actually poised right now to do bigger things. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> Try getting out of our comfort zone. The, the, the crazy thing with, with real estate as well, especially with multifamilies, it is so much easier to get a mortgage on, let's say, a 20 or $80 million property than a house, you know, a $500,000 house, which is just ironic. Jonathan, didn't you just tell somebody the other day it's easier to get you $100 million than it is to get you a million? Oh, very much so. It's, <laughs> it's, it, it, it is funny, and most people don't think that, but but it's it. you think big, and there, there's way more opportunities there. Right. You've, 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 got to, you've got to stop thinking small, though, for that to happen. And what what's your, your, your kind of due diligence process you go through? And, how, and when you look at, if we just look, I mean, obviously being outbid is one thing, but if you go through how many properties you typically analyze before you find one that you're moving in on and how many did you turn down on that process? Uh, well, right now we actually have um, realtors. But for the time I'm doing this right now, I actually have a lot of brokers calling me, putting stuff on my plate, uh, maybe 20, 30 a week. We, we take a look at, um, and we turn down quite a few. Uh, at the same time, there's so much investors in this market right now where people, you know, just like the regular residential real estate, are out better no trying to buy everything. We are, we are very conservative because uh, with what's going on with this economy, we are playing it safe as well. Uh, obviously, we just went through COVID. Um, we are very conservative. So we, we are poised but we are not rushing to just jump into anything. So, so, by, so by conservative, you're looking at the cap rate and the problem with obviously places being outbid is all you're doing is you're lowering the cap rate on that property, which is lowering your, your cash flow based on, based on what you're paying for it. Correct. Correct. And do you guys have like a geographical location that you're looking for for these properties? Uh, we love the Florida market. Uh, Texas, obviously, is a hot, hot market right now. <laughs> we don't hear that very often, do we, JT? Uh, <laughs> uh, Georgia and the Carolinas, you know, that's really what we look at. Georgia and the Carolinas. Okay, that's interesting. Obviously, that's very interesting. you know, if there's money to be made, I'll, I'll say I'm the first one there. Uh, one of the good things that, that I could say also, we do have a demographer on my team. So that definitely helps. So we, we, we know where the part of progress is and we are dear. Well, that's uh, one of my mentors told me if uh, wherever the jobs are going, that's where people are going to need to live. So check that out and you'll be good. Employment and jobs. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so what, what kind of client profile do you look for then? Obviously they have to be accredited uh, investors that, that would be, and, and what do you like? Sorry. Try to explain this. What's your ideal type of mindset for a customer? Because I mean, or for a client, because sometimes people come in and they, they, you know, I've had to fire clients before because they're asking you the next day what their investment's doing. And then there's others who they don't really care. Just give me my money back in five years. What, what's kind of your mindset that you look for in a client? So obviously someone who's looking for a decent return. And like you said, this is this is a marriage for a couple of years. So I don't need you on my back every single day. You know, what's going on with the money? What's going on with it? Um, 
so yeah, we're, we're particular about that as well. As much as we all want money, we, we don't want the headaches that comes with it as well. Uh, you could ask questions. It's your right to do so. Um, but we want to make sure that people know that this is a long, longer term investment. Um, you know, we, we do have doctors and lawyers that's typically who we look for. Um, there are a lot of realtors as well who are investors, sophisticated investors uh, who would invest as well with us. Uh, the typical guy, we have some. Uh, who have money, who have invested in the past and just looking to, to roll their money. Um, yeah, that's, that's really who we have. But again, we are particular, or we would have that conversation up front, uh, setting, not boundaries, but um, letting people know, you know, what expectations is the word. There you go. Mm-hmm. No, it's very interesting. Is that there's a multifamily syndication market in Canada to a degree, but it's really been, well, decimated, I would say, since about 2016, because the major company that was doing it and had all the publicity, they uh, they were doing things perhaps allegedly incorrectly. And uh, there's a big stink made about it publicly. So it's really changed here. And I don't think there's nearly, and Jonathan, you'd probably be able to speak better on this, but the syndication market in Canada is pretty much done or very, very little of it is being done. Like there's a few companies that are still doing it very good who, who were, were associated with, but it's just changed so much. Have you guys seen anything like that in the U.S.? Because it seems to me like this is just becoming much more popular down there now. One of the things that we make it a point to do, and uh, just so you know, my business partner is Canadian. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we are very SEC compliant. Mm. So, uh, we know at the end of the day that they're the guys with the deep pockets and we are not. And I don't think any one of us would look uh, pretty in uh, orange. Yes. So, <laughs> play that game. No, no, compliance, compliance, compliance. That's, uh, and, and, you know, we have some friends that have uh, recently are, or are going through it. It's, it's kind of a guilty until proven innocent thing with them as well, which is kind of crazy. Um, so you got to make sure your I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And, and how do you guys make sure that like, obviously you'd probably be pretty form heavy on, on having people fill out forms and make sure you've got your KYCs and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, our SEC attorneys, uh, you know, pretty good, uh, in advising and helping us and we comply with everything <laughs> and I mean everything. That <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that's something you just don't want to mess with. That's that's Big Brother, and they're listening to everything. It's uh, it's a cute, I, you know. I love my brother. Um, he is not in this world, and uh, I let him know that uh, we we recently signed a document that made us a strategic advisor to a major uh, investment bank. And he's like, "Wow, that's going to put you on some lists." And I think it's the first time in the last 15, 20 years he actually got that I deal with some people that are legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yes, yes, that does put us on some lists, but it's not a bad thing. <laughs> Just means that calls get recorded. At the end of the day, you know, I tell the guys in my office and I tell this to everyone, if you do the writing, when you go to sleep at night and put your head on that pillow, yeah. you should not worry about who's knocking on your door. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? At the end of the day, it is, it is set up to protect um, the retail investor. 
you know, it's it's people who've come before us, you know, like what, what is it, Charles Ponzi, the guy who started at the beginning, the, the whole thing. Um, the SEC is necessary to a, a large degree, and there's been a lot of shady people over the years. But that being said, um, how would a client that you expect to come in, how would they go about underwriting the investment for themselves? Uh, how would they underwrite it for themselves? Uh, good question. Um, <laughs> We would basically share our underwriting with them and uh, give them the ability to go over it. Um, if someone isn't savvy enough to, to understand the underwriting, we obviously go through it with them and advise them as well. You know, speak to their accountant, speak to their attorney, whoever they would like us to review that uh, underwriting with. Because at the end of the day, you want to make sure people are comfortable as well. Not everyone have the knowledge to underwrite, and mm -hmm. I get that. Um, so whatever we could do to make sure that you are comfortable, we'll make sure that happens. And if someone is investing with you, are they investing in just one? Are they go in and say, hey, we're buying this 200-unit building. They're investing in that building. Or are they investing in you guys? Then you guys basically manage the fund and, and you know, hey, here's the portfolio we're currently holding. Uh, a lot of times uh, they would come in as an LP, limited partner. So uh, building specific. Okay. So so then then the underwriting becomes a little more, a little more. Uh, there's probably more they want to look at because they want to look at that particular building and does that building make sense for what they're really does it make sense for them in their portfolio and their risk tolerance and everything else. Correct. Because right now regarding the fund, we have opened a fund. We are funding the fund, if you will. Okay. And I guess if you, uh, if it wasn't building specific, it'd be more of a REIT structure. Is that correct? Uh, it is actually not a REIT. Uh, we are the GPs and the investors were coming as the LPs. Okay. Uh, so we, we, we actually hire professional management companies to manage uh, these properties. A lot of times the, the management companies because um, we have done a lot of business with them, they would come in also to manage a building, but also come in as a GP on the deal too. So yeah, see, sorry, this is just an interesting, for me, um, we work more on the debt side of everything, but um, understanding the difference between a, a fund like yours and a REIT is really interesting to me because there's a, there's a point where it kind of flips over, if I'm not mistaken, and I just don't know where that point is. It's kind of cool. Do you, do you know where that point is? Is it just restructuring to change the paperwork? Is that? Well, I know with REITs, uh, there are more fees in there. Uh, mm. You know, exactly where that line is, I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, so I guess I don't know. But, uh, you know, like, like I said, the, any, all investors would come in as a LP and then we'd be the GP on it. Uh, one of the things that we also share with everyone as far as transparency goes is, uh, you know, what are we, the GP making and what are the LP make, making yeah. as well. So we show all our fees up front. So, you know, hey, question it if you will. Uh, it's there. So there's mm -hmm. no, nothing hidden. No, that's cool. That's cool. And that's, I mean, that's the, just the best way to do business because yep. especially if you're running a fund, you want repeat customers. That makes the fund grow. Yeah. <laughs> you want your customers to say, or your investors say, to say, hey, where's the next deal? And what, what, uh, what type of returns do you guys uh, see for your investors? 
uh, being SEC compliant, pass returns. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> typically between somewhere between 18, 20, 21%. Oh, wow. Nice. We've been able to pull those off. But past results do not equal future results. <laughs> are, are you? And how long are you typically holding a, a building for? Is this something that hey, you're going to hold this indefinitely, or do you you go in with a set exit? By the way, you're shaking your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we are not in love or married to the property. We're here to make money. Um, you know, just like flips. This, these obviously are flips on steroids. Uh, typical typical hold is around five years. If we could exit in less time depending on market conditions we will yeah, because we that makes maximize sense. profits to our investors at the same time but yeah if we could get out before goodbye make our money and, <laughs> and how, how is market timing affecting you guys right now because i know in canada there's there's a big shift starting to happen at least in the residential market um, and I'm sure it's, it's going to start to trickle into multifamily and others. Are you guys seeing that shift happening down there? With the rise of interest rates, um, we, have, we have had a, not problems, but we have seen that shift where uh, finance in a property or, or your LTVs have dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have definitely seen that and it makes it a little bit more challenging now. Uh, with that being said, whoever owns property right now, and you know, with the if you don't have that interest rate locked in, at some point you would want to bail. So mm-hmm. again, it's just a matter of being patient and uh, going after the recent buyers of these multifamily properties and uh, see what happens there. Oh, the recent buyers, the people who bit off more than can chew. I see what you're saying. Nah, see, that's smart. There is a massive bait ball happening right now. So <laughs> always that advantage, yes. I like the way you think, sir. We should talk some more after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Sunil, is they, you know, as we're approaching the hour here, is there anything you uh you'd like people to know about you and your companies and, and how they can get a hold of you and all that jazz? Yeah, if you want to be a part of, uh, you know, what we do, uh, absolutely. I'll, I, I give everyone my cell number. Call me directly. I'll, <laughs> I'll share that if, if it's okay with you guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, my cell number, 201-954-0292. Would love to have a conversation and uh, move forward with anyone looking to make money. No, fantastic. Well, Sunil, thank you so much. We really enjoy learning about your journey from working on the on the streets to stockbroker to, well, now multifamily fund owner with a Canadian partner of all things. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, this, is, this has been great. Jonathan, anything you want to say to wrap it up, sir? Oh, I, again, I'll just echo what uh, what Jeff said. Just an absolute pleasure speaking with you. So so glad that you were able to join us and from such a nice place as, as I'm seeing the background behind you too. I've never yeah. spoken to anybody in the Poconos. This is awesome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I do want to echo, uh, talking about Canadians and US, uh, I own a exit real estate franchise. And I'm not sure if you guys are aware, exit is a Canadian company. No kidding. Yes, so you know. Yep. That's great awesome. Company. Great company. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, 
we're uh, down in your world. We got some good friends in New York. We're uh, raring to see this year. So we'll give you a shout if we're down there. Maybe we can have a Absolutely. coffee. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Sunil Chalar of Exit Realty and uh, Kuova Capital. Thank you so much for joining us. We uh, really appreciate it. If you want to get a hold of him, his number again is 201-954-0292. Thank you so much for joining us, Sunil. Jonathan, thank you as always for being you. And thank you for listening all the way through. We really appreciate you. And uh, if you want to know more about what we do, you can certainly go to guidetothegrind.com or amortgageplan.com. Download one of our free guides there. And uh, you can, of course, press the like button on YouTube, subscribe, uh, hit notification button, all of those things, or you'll find us on Spotify or other places like that as well. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for being here. We really appreciate you. Thank you for having us and uh, have a great day. Thank you.